0: Verse 11, I'm going to read out of the Message Bible, then go back to the New King James. But we've been talking about two keys to becoming an excited, extravagant giver. We understood from the beginning of this series, and we've been learning in the last 10 years in this church, is that we are called, that God has gifted us, and every one of you are important. But Paul wrote to the church and helped them remove objections to giving, because giving is the tool of how it releases the blessings of God in every area, where you plant the seed and then harvest takes place, and it takes a person that has a heart of giving. God has given us all things that pertain unto life, this world, this physical world, and godliness in the spiritual world. We have everything that we need. We also learned that in your mother's womb, God has thought through and written down every aspect of your life. Now we've found out that because of choices we make, that at times that we get a little bit haywire, we get lost in that journey that God has planned for us. But in Jeremiah 29 11, it says I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. The goal that God has set in your spirit, the very things that you're believing for, God has already planned it out and it is there. Israel's thoughts when this was written from Jeremiah or through Jeremiah were opposite of God's thoughts. Why? Because they were being uh, defeated. They were in captivity now. They were slaves to the Babylonians. So God spoke through the prophet and said, don't tell me what I am thinking as the world wants to tell you and me how to think. This is what they're thinking. No, that's not what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this. I'm thinking what God has said. Last week we saw in verse 14, Something so amazing in Jeremiah 29, 14, it says, I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you, God's decree. Bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile. You can count on it. You can count on God that he will bring you back to that place if you will put him first in your life. Remember, we use the term recalculating. No matter where you've been, no matter what's going on, Romans eleven twenty nine says, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. When you give into the kingdom, you must first understand the nature of money, the nature of your time, and the nature of the gifts that you have. It will meet you in the future, If you give, you will always have what you need in your life because you have become an excited, extravagant giver. Second of all, we learned about being this giver is to understand the loving nature of God. And that's why it's taken us three weeks to discover this loving nature of God. So let's repeat the four things that are good about God's will for our life. God's planned it, that you cannot mess it up. You'll always get, just like uh, when you uh, put an address into, you know, Siri, and, and they'll, she'll tell you where to go, what to do, and if you have missed your turn, it'll say recalculate and show you a way to get back to where you're called. First of all, God loves you and always has a good plan for your life. God doesn't use evil, but evil can absolutely change your mind, can it? You must have a right concept of who God is. If you're gonna move into the realm where God has called you in the place that you wanna be, you need to understand and have a right concept of who God really is. Too many people say too many things that are not true of who God is. Second of all, God's will for our life was established in your mother's womb and has never changed. Listen to me, for nine months in our mother's womb, God is thinking about our life in detail. The Bible tells us, he writes it down, and we can't count the thoughts that he has towards us. It is more than the sands of the sea. Third of all, that our mistakes and the devil's attacks do not cancel out God's will for our lives. Remember the word again, recalculating. Some of you raised your hands when we talked about this, that God was recalculating your life and you were getting back into that line where God had called you. God doesn't look at you, point his finger, and say, you lousy piece of whatever. He says, I love you. Who you are is special. And if you will understand that, he will recalculate your thinking so that you can get right back to the place where he has planned you to be. You cannot mess it up. Jeremiah 29, 14, in the message again, I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you. God's decree, bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile. You can count on me. So let me say this to you. Paul made mistakes, Peter made mistakes. In the Bible, you never see God coming to his people looking at the mistakes and throwing the people away, and saying I revoke your call in your life. You never see that. There are times people do not attain what God called them to because of their choice. But God's presence is always there to recalculate their lives and bring them back there. Every one of you are still in the game. God will never revoke your gift or your call. Oh, there are different theology beliefs that say, oh, God's already chose, you're done, you're not, you're good, you're, you know, it's foolishness. And people get in their heads this stuff, this doctrinal stuff that destroys a very concept of who God is. Every time you make a mistake, God recalculates to find a way to get you back. And it's never too late. If you're here and you've been thinking it's too late, I've done too much, I've done too much bad things, I want to tell you listen closely because all of a sudden you're going to hear recalculating. So the question is where I want us to get to today. Well, if that's true, why not just keep making the mistakes? If God'll just keep just plugging along with us. Here's the answer. Because your best life is in God's will, not making mistakes. That's deep. That's not simple. That's deep. Your best life is being in God's will. God can and will turn your messes into a ministry. But I want you to listen closely because in our beautiful culture that we are in today, I'm not saying you have to mess up to do good. God never chose a perfect person to serve him, but you don't have to mess up to be good. You know, the greatest testimony in the world is someone that gets up and says, "I've served the Lord from the day I understood." One of the things I like about the Bible is it tells dirt on everybody. <laughs> you ever seen that? David was immoral. David was a murderer. Abraham was a liar, Peter was a coward, Paul was a legalist and a murderer. The people in the Bible who did the worst stuff did the best stuff, not because they did the worst, but it's because they turned around and said, God, I want to do your will. Not my will, but yours. See, in essence, we, we still want to go back to, well, you know, just whatever, it's so hard. It's not hard. Because the world tells you it's hard. The world tells you that you, you've, because you are believing in truth, God, that you can become a bigot or a racist or whatever. The world tells you that your very belief system is wrong. And it's a lie. God didn't reject them or throw them away, why? Because your gifts and callings are irrevocable. Bottom line. What God did was this. So the fourth good thing about God's call is this, and that's what we want to discover today. God releases the knowledge of His will and activates us into it as we surrender to Him. How do you surrender to Him? Watch this. Oh, you just got to crawl on your knees for hours. You just got to pray for hours. You know, some of us we need to pray for hours. Well, you just got to fast. Some of us, we just, we just really need to fast. That's what's gonna break it. The Bible says sometimes fasting is the only way to get to the place you need to get to. But here's the truth. For all of us, for everyone, become an excited, extravagant giver in every area of your life. Plant, harvest. Now follow me, let's let's read Jeremiah 29, verse 13. Remember again, this is a story that Jeremiah goes to Israel and tells them the heart of God, tries to literally change the mentality. You know, Paul's trying to change the mentality. Jeremiah, through God, is trying to change the mentality of Israel, of their objections to giving. And verse 13 says this, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God says you will find me when you are ready to get serious about this life. Proverbs 16:3 says commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. Part of the reason people fall away is they're not serious about their relationship with God. They're not serious, they're just trying God. Well, I'll try it this way, but 95% of what they're hearing is what the world is saying and they're only listening to 5% of what God is saying. And I'm just throwing that out to show you the the, uh, literal stuff that happens in our lives that the Bible says that we are to listen and to hear God and to know Him. But that same ability of listening and to hear God, that same ability allows us to hear everything else too. It allows us to hear the the wickedness and and the foolishness of mankind. They become half-hearted. They wander and drift, and the devil begins to tempt them and they get involved in sin and they wonder how did I get here so here it is again let's, let's let's really hear this let's detail this israel is under judgment because of the law they're going into babylonian captivity god says when you're ready i'm ready And God is saying to the world today, when you're ready, I'm ready. I've already planned everything out. When you're ready to get serious with me, when you're ready to get serious in in the ability of walking in the things of God, I'm ready, I'm here now. I will change the things that need to be changed, but I'm waiting on you. Isn't that amazing how, God, why did you allow allow this? I'm ready now. It will never be right with God until we include him in every issue of our lives. So how do I do this? How do I do this? First of all, This is our biggest battle. How do we do this? We are so brainwashed into what do I do to fix? God is more concerned about what you're becoming than what you're doing. Listen to this very closely. Because if you become what God has called you to become, it's irrevocable. Your doing will always follow his will. So let me tell you some truths to becoming what God's called you to be. You know that God loves you more than you love yourself? Zephaniah 317, this is so awesome. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst. The mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Listen closely. God's singing over you. Some of you ladies watch some of those older movies. All of a sudden the guy walks in the door and starts singing to this. He's been rude for the whole movie, but now he sings in front of her and she's uh, I know, that's a guy talking. God sings over you. The word singing there in the Hebrew speaks of God's joy. So in essence, it's, it's an expression, the singing is an expression from the inside of God, who God is, of joy over you. So we could literally say that God rejoices over you. But pastor, how can he? Because God rejoices over you because he's known you in your mother's womb and he's planned your life and he sees it. And the plan was perfect. Another translation, as he rejoices over you with a shout of joy. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Over you. In Zephaniah 3.14, I know Zephaniah is where the pages are white, so just look at the screen. It's literally called parallels in the literal language. Let me explain that. It says, Sing, O daughter of Zion, shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The, The word sing, O daughter of Zion, It's poetry where Israel sings to the Lord and then the Lord sings back. So I want you to understand, if you today, when we began to worship, right exactly at nine o'clock and we began to worship and we're singing unto the Lord, the Lord began to sing back to you. The right concept of who our God is is he is a God of love and he is head over heels in love with you, with who you are, what he's called you to be. No matter if you've made mistakes, he is recalculating to get you back to there and he's singing over you. That's the God that we serve. God expresses his joy when we sing to him. God will bless you more than you bless yourself. Now I know some of you say, oh pastor you're gonna ruin this sermon because I'm liking it right now. But some of you think that you can handle your tithe better than God can that you can invest your tithe somewhere else. And you could do better than God. God will bless you more than you bless yourself. Psalm 35, 27 says, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Ecclesiastes 5:19 As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor this is the gift of God. God's will for your life is much better than yours. Proverbs 19:21 says many are the plans in a person's heart but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Why people struggle is this. They believe they love themselves more than God loves them. They believe they can bless themselves more than God. And they are more important than God's purpose or call. Constantly in the back of your mind, you're hearing recalculating recalculating, but you just keep turning. You just keep turning, I'll get there somewhere, I don't know where, but I'll get there. And all of a sudden you see on, on your, the screen, you see the little buzz look there, and all of a sudden recalculating, and then it comes up, so now if you go this way, and we keep going straight, we keep going left. And a lot of times it's because you're hurt, a lot of times because you're frustrated, a lot of times because Someone has said something. Someone has done something wrong. And we run. And we're turning left, we're turning right, and we're turning left, we're turning right. We're never getting to the place where God wants us to be. And the very reason is because you're hurt. But if you understand who he really is, if you really recognize who God really is, then there's not one thing that can hinder you from becoming what God's called you to be. Even if everyone around you that you, quote, are close to, ridicules you, puts you down, doesn't honor you, if you know who God is, he'll keep you on the right track. God will do this thing. Hallelujah. There's been some decisions just made. Some of you are making decisions. I'm going to start watching the recalculation. So what did I just tell you? The implanted lies of the devil are to keep you from being an excited, extravagant giver. What's the first thing that happens to you when you get hurt? (laughs) I ain't doing that anymore. They don't deserve that. You stop giving. He whispers to you, the enemy in your hardships and your tragedies, saying you're defective. I can't use you anymore. You're worthless. You know, now God doesn't love you that much anymore. To God, you are now an afterthought. You're just an afterthought. You're just a piece of flesh that's worthless. So that's what the enemy wants you to think. So then the devil says, all right, so you get the feel goods that doesn't help you. This is what God's thinking. Go to church. Do good and keep your nose clean. Somehow you'll get to heaven. But stay out of God's way. Because he is ticked and is about ready to nuke you. You say, Pastor, I don't think that way. Yes, you do. Every one of us have thought that way. Every one of us has thought that we're worthless and we're no good. Every one of us have looked at some of the things that are, at some of the mistakes we've made, some of the failures that we've had in our lives. And we have literally decided that even God can't recalculate, that we cannot get back, that we're lost. We'll never get there. We might as well just stay the course, and if we can finally get to heaven, we can get to heaven. That is a lie from the pit of hell. You are chosen of God, anointed of the Holy Spirit, called of God. God has for nine months in your mother's womb. He knew you intimately and he wrote down every plan for your life. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, church. He's there for you. In today's society, people are running everywhere. That's all they're hearing, recalculating, recalculating. I'm lost, I don't know where to go. I'm angry, I'm mad, I'm, I'm, I'm just, people are bigots, people are racist, people are this, people are that, and maybe that's true. But you're not. You're a child of God, your son or daughter of God. You're not. And we walk around and we're afraid. And rightfully, people are looking for safe places because they're afraid, not because they need a safe place, but they're afraid. And what do we do? We accommodate and we put them in the safe places and after a while they're afraid in the safe place because nothing has ever changed on the inside that they have the right concept of God, that God is a loving and a caring and a forgiving God. That's the God that we serve. You have to admit sometimes we think these thoughts Here's the truth. Guys, I use this word because I wanted to catch everybody. Some of you men's men, you're adorable to God. And there is no way you can totally understand how much he loves you. But I'm asking you to find out I'm asking you to reach out and to find that and to know that God really loves you. God's will for your life will blow you away if you seek it. Again, Jeremiah 29 11, here they are defeated, disgusted, angry, offended, defensive. Running around, in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. The word peace is shalom. Shalom is to be overwhelmingly blessed in every area of your life. It means peace, prosperity, blessing, favor, opportunity, health, and protection someone say, well, can you find scripture that says all that? Yeah, right here, Jeremiah and 11. Right here. There are others. God's thoughts are speaking every blessing over your life. God says, my thoughts towards you are shalom. Peace, prosperity, blessing, Favor, opportunity, health, and protection. Let me be straight with you. When we understand this, then we don't have problems with race, we don't have problems with gender. Amen. And when the world gets this, they won't have problems with it either. But you need to be the example. Shalom, church. Let me close with this statement. He says, if you let me have my way in your life, your life will have an overabundance of blessing. When you begin to live a life that's excited to be extravagant in your giving, you rise up in the morning and you say, God, what can I give today? I don't have a penny in my pocket, but you could put a penny in my pocket if you need to. How many of you ever found uh, $5 $5 bill or whatever on the ground, and the Lord said, give it to somebody. Yeah, yeah, okay. How many of you find a $5 bill on the ground stuck in your pocket and said, Lord, I'll talk to you tomorrow? <laughs> I'm going to Burger King. Yeah. <laughs> Lord says, I'm recalculating for you, and I'm not mad, that's the God that you serve. Let's all stand.